Hi, welcome to Fighting to Win, the series where we share real stories from the front lines of the environmental justice movement. We're the Center for Health, Environment, and Justice, and we support activists around the country who are fighting against toxic chemical pollution in their communities. Most of them are everyday people who discovered toxics threatening their neighborhoods and decided to create the change that they need. Here at CHEJ, we connect communities to each other. So when COVID-19 hit, we launched a webinar series to bring organizers, activists, and community leaders together despite the distance. These conversations have been rich and inspiring, and now we want to share them with you as a reminder that we are together in this fight. And not just that, but we are fighting to win. Subscribe to Fighting to Win now, wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you for being with us. Welcome, everybody, to Living Room Leadership. I'm Gustavo Andrade. I serve as CHEJ's organizing director, and it's my pleasure to welcome today Georgette Gomez, uh, who is coming to us from San Diego. Um, And I'm really, really excited to talk to her uh, for a couple reasons. She's somebody who's been an activist for a long time, but also at some point decided to run for office, which is something that a lot of folks I know have uh, have thought about. How you doing, Georgette? I'm doing good, Gustavo. Thank you. It's good to be here. Welcome. Bienvenida. Gracias. Good morning. It's, it's good morning, uh, Pacific time over here. So good yeah. morning, good afternoon, folks on the East Coast. Uh, I'm, I'm very... I'm excited to be here with all of you. I'm Georgia Gomez from uh, San Diego, Southern California. I'm a first generation um, Mexican-American daughter of uh, immigrant parents that came here and uh, stayed in San Diego. And this is where I was born. I was born in Barrio Logan. And uh, for those that are not familiar with Southern Cal, uh, Barrio Logan is kind of like um, an epicenter for the Chicano movement here in Southern Cal. Uh, there's a huge um, park that was claimed by the community uh, back in the 70s. Um, and actually, when the farm workers were starting to organize, I know that the crew of Cesar Chavez used to come here and they used to do a lot of, a lot of recruitment, a lot of activities, sharing, organizing and the power of organizing. So that's the community that I was born in. This is a community that has rich cultura, rich movement cultura, but at the same time, it's a working class community, um, a community that was divided um, by the development of freeways. Actually, Barrio Logan didn't exist. Uh, It was called Logan Heights, and then the freeways came in and divided the community with the intention of making this particular community a industrial um, environment. So if you're to go there right now, you will see kind of uh, the remnants of, of, of that intention by government that it really created this hodgepodge of a community, unhealthy, um, very um, quite an interesting community to grow in. And just like a traditional low-income community, um, very low resources available for the community members um, no really real intention of building a, a, a healthy community that is providing our, our the, the things that people need, right, to be their best self, 
at a mm -hmm. grocery store as a liquor store. Uh, the park that I talked about earlier is actually a national landmark designation now um, for the Chicano movement, but it's also surrounded by freeways above it on the side and then on the other side is heavy industrial, right? A beautiful park uh, to say the least, but at the same time, you gotta recognize the conditions that it, it was built upon and built around. So my parents worked uh, significantly. So that's where I grew up, um, that's where I'm from. And uh, really that is the seed that I constantly carry with me in terms of as to why I do what I do. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. So what do you remember uh, growing up? And, and for those of uh, folks listening who are maybe on the East Coast or in different parts of the country, like tell us a little bit more about uh, Chicano culture in Southern California, because a lot of people just had, trust me, like, I know it seems weird, but a lot of people just haven't had any contact, right, with right. any of that. So, so what, what did that mean for you growing up? What do you remember? Yeah, no, so what I remember growing up, um, you know, like I said, this park, Chicano Park was, is, continues to be the epicenter for, for the movimiento here. It's, uh, I mean, what I remember growing up, not knowing, right, I was not aware of, of the kind of like the significance that the park had, um, but I always wonder, like there was also danzantes um, in the park. So there's drumming, there's dancers, there's uh, the, the, the smoke of the copal. And for those that might not be familiar with danza, danza it's a, a spiritual connection to the to to the elements, it's it's almost like the the religion of the Chicanos um, for those that follow danza. So they use the park as a place to 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 practice to do the to do the ceremonias. So you see that constantly there. There's always activity at the park. There's either a rally, a protest. Uh, healthcare providers come in and they uh, do pop up. Uh, healthcare um, available to, to the community. Uh, there's food distribution, lunch, hot lunch available. There's always music, art. Um, the park is, um, as I said earlier, above it, there's a freeway that goes through the community, uh, which means that there's pillars uh, that are, you know, ingrained into the park. And above it is the, the freeway, which vehicles go through. Um, so those pillars happened in the 70s, the community took over the pillars to basically paint the, 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 the pillars and depict some sort of history that is significant to us, either locally or nationally. Um, so the park is a open air gallery of history or her story. Um, and, 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 and really that really was what allowed the community to apply for a national landmark designation and they succeeded. Now this park, and so it's, there's, there's a lot of activity and that's what I grew up with. But I didn't, when I was growing up, I just saw it and I saw that there was a lot of activity. Eventually down the line is when they realized the significance of it um, and kind of started getting a little bit more intimate with that significance and really just infuse my hunger to continue digging and wanting to be part of it and, and, and continue continue the work. So 
it's beautiful. I remember going there, playing uh, and uh, with my brother and my sister. Uh, we used to sometimes perhaps skip school and go to the park um, to go play. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's where you go during the weekends um, and there's family gatherings. There's the lowrider culture that would come and bring their, their, you know, their, their art of a vehicle or bicycles. You know, when I was growing up, my brother built uh, his home bicycle. Uh, very proud of it. It was a beautiful bike. It got stolen pretty quickly, but you know, he, he got to do that. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of pride and a lot of family um, energy. It's a good spot where you go and you just feel safe um, with, with people that are, you know, with same mentality, with same custom uh, culture, language. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a place to be. And like I said, even if there's nothing going on in terms of activities, just the, the sheer fact that you're in this, you know, museum outside, the setting of it, um, it's just incredible, very inspiring. Yeah, no, I bet, I bet you, you must have, and everyone must have amazing memories of just yeah. being there. Um, also, for those who may not know, San Diego is has ridiculously nice weather so the park <laughs> is the park is open year-round yes. um so what uh so like do you remember at some point uh feeling like that was being threatened in any way um why why did you want to protect it what was the threat coming from yeah well you know the, the park has really has a lot of significance just because of the way that it was created. Like I said, it was created by the community claiming it and demanding an open space in this community. Um, and actually, you know, grabbing the shovels and, and planting trees. This is back in the day, right? And it took a minute for, for the city to acknowledge that it was a, a, it was a, a bark for the community. Eventually they did. And then um, I think it was in the eighties when we, California was hit significantly with earthquakes. And I think it was like in the Bay Area where some of the freeways collapsed, where, you know, Caltrans, which is a government agency that oversees the, the freeways, decided that they wanted to retrofit the, the, free, the, the freeway here in, in, in the community, uh, which meant, um, which meant that they needed to get rid of the mural. So the community organized to protect them to say, hey, I'm sure there's a different way in which you can do the upgrades that are needed for the freeway without really damaging the, the murals. And it took, it was a struggle. It was a fight just like anything else. I mean, fighting for a new restroom is a fight. Um, it eventually happened, right? So needless to say, the community pushed back and said, no, you're not gonna take the murals away, you're gonna try to figure it out in a different way. And magically there was a different way that they, they could retrofit the freeways. So they didn't take that route and, and taking them over and basically destroying them. And then just, you know, there's just been tons of stuff that, that continues to threaten the community, particularly the park, but overall just the community overall. Um, you know, this, this particular community sits not that far from downtown San Diego. Downtown went through this very crazy revitalization um, where it's very, I mean, California just is expensive. 
estate to live in, uh, but living next to downtown, it really has hit the community um, from, from a threat of gentrification, displacement of the community members, being that these are low-income community members, they're renters, there's very little protection. So not only are we, you know, grew up um, just seeing the fights to protect the park, but now through the many different uh, changes that have been occurring, uh, the, the, the major fight really is the, the actually existence of, of who's going to be making a living in this community outside of, I think the park is pretty safe now, is pretty acknowledged. Um, being that it has a national recognition and the community did an amazing work in pushing for, for that and protecting it. I mean, now there's there's a, a movement of trying to do a, a museo for the Chicanos. Uh, so they're in the path of doing that right next to the park. So now it's more about outside of the park, what happens and who lives in this park. And, 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 uh, and yeah, so we're, continue to do to continue to extend the fight of the of the community outside yeah. of the can you and can you uh reflect a little bit so you know because the the park has come to symbolize much more than just you know a piece of land and mm -hmm. and murals uh you know come to symbolize a lot more than just artwork that somebody put up right there and and i think uh, especially like for, you know, myself, I'm a first generation immigrant. I came here when I was 14. I was a dreamer before there was a dream act. And, uh, you know, it just, it, you know, so I've, I've felt, you know, what it's like to have to learn to speak English and have to, uh, deal with everything that comes with that. And I just always felt like, uh, somebody was trying to push me out or somebody was trying to keep me from like something and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And so for people there, you know, it just seems like the artwork, the murals, the culture, the park, it's all connected, but it's also very much fits in with that immigrant um, experience, right, of, of wanting permanence, of not really feeling like you belong um, here or there or mm -hmm. anywhere else, and, and, and really it's, it's about a fight to belong at some point, no? Yeah, no, no, most definitely. I mean, I think that this community, you know, even outside of the park, it's just uh, a living, breathing university, really. For, for migrant communities that are coming from down south, uh, just because it's it's that feeling of, of familiarity, right? You're seeing the art, but the art is a piece of history somewhere that happened. So it's a reminder, right? It might be, it might be something that happened in Mexico or further south. It might be the experience of crossing the border. It might be the experience of what you one one as an immigrant family is living right now in this in this particular um, environment being in the US. Um, the significance of working in the, I mentioned that on the waterfront side of things, it's industrial. Um, so there might be uh, a depicted piece of art of that, that interaction of what it means to live right next to heavy industrial that is military, 
Uh, so just the presence of the military is very much there in what it means and, and, and its significance, not only having it as a neighbor, but at what it means if you're coming from further south, it, there's different connotations to that, right? When you see the US military. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that, the interaction of the piece of art is also an interaction of, of history, of reminders, of, of reminders of what the work that we can continue to have to do to continue to, to create that safe space and work towards those safe spaces that we can belong and be accepted mm -hmm. of who we are. Um, there's murals that are bilingual, um, you know, so just kind of like the, the, that relationship of living by the border and the significance of it, of growing up speaking Spanish and speaking English, and at times you're speaking both, right? The, 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 the <laughs> monolingual type of thing, the bilingual uh, languages, the Chicano language. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a good reminder. It's a good seed to be reminded constantly. Um, but it's also an opportunity to learn because a lot of the stuff that is uh, depicted in those murals, you don't get to hear at school, right? You don't, you don't get that piece of history. Um, so when you see it, you start, you, you, it piques your curiosity. So you start Googling it and start learning too. So you start embracing your own cultura through, through that reminder of what that is and who that person was and what they did, um, mm. what their piece of, of, of giving to, to create a better, a better society. So there's a lot, it's not just a park with beautiful, beautiful colors. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, there's a lot to really depict and, and, and take in and to, to really, if you're open to it, or it can just be a park, or it can that just be a beautiful murals, right? Uh, that mean nothing to you. Uh, but for somebody like myself growing up, that was really hungry for that, just like you said, was that like that belonging, that, that awareness of wanting to to be aware of my own history, um, not the U.S. history, the you know the the border history, the why my parents left Mexico, right? Um, having to do that journey, it's it's there and it's it's ready to be unveiled if one is ready to to unveil it. Mm -hmm. And at which point? So let me let me transition over to you you know, getting active, and then did you decide to run for office right away, or how did that happen? <laughs> um, you talk about running? belonging, all of a sudden, you say, okay, I want to run for office. That's a, that's that's a, big, a, that's that's a, a big call. Thing. You know, it was a big decision for me, because, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up in the movimiento, right? I grew up being an organizer, uh, with before getting hired to be an organizer. Um, I grew up being a critic of government. So I'm mindful of the limitations that government um, has, but I'm also mindful of the abilities that government can uh, do for the community, just like it does now. It can do good. It can do good if we elect the right people with the right intentions, but those are rare. Um, <clears throat> so you know, um, doing the work 
I eventually ended up getting connected to an environmental justice organization here in San Diego when I was going through college. And um, that organization is called Environmental Health Coalition. And uh, I learned that they were doing work in the Logan Heights area and Barrio Logan. And I always wanted to figure out a way in which I can go back to my community and do work, you know, heal my community, make it strong, be able to provide the, the resources, the infrastructure that a community should have to, to, to live healthy, um, to really maximize people's potential as humans. Um, and, uh, you know, getting connected to this organization and finding out that they were doing work there, I just got infatuated with that. So once they graduated, I, I hit them up to say, hey, you know, you just graduated, you should hire me. Um, but I didn't know, right? I didn't know better. Um, so eventually they did, they gave me an opportunity to come in as an organizer, but you know, not in that community I was working, I got hired to do work in a different community and um, which was fine further south, closer to the border. Um, and I, I love the work that I was doing. I love being an organizer. I will always be an organizer. Um, and, uh, and then eventually working in a nonprofit, you get an opportunity to, you know, add more to your plate, all right? So I eventually started doing this civic work engagement that the organization was doing. Um, so, that really started getting me more exposed to, to electoral work as well. Um, so then eventually that led to me outside of the work environment. I, I somebody who wanted to run for, for city council kind of reached out to say, hey, are you willing to support me? And I thought about it because all I was doing before in the electoral work for Environmental Health Coalition was more about just getting our folks, getting the low propensity voters to vote, uh, right? Um, vote whichever way. Hopefully the idea is that they're gonna vote the right way, right? Um, so that was it. And we would do work on initiatives too, but never really on elected. It was just more like C4 type of work. Um, so then when this person hit me up to say, hey, I'm gonna run and we're taking on the 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 political the the politicals right so it's kind of like an outsider trying to break in uh, so I eventually said yeah you know I'm gonna help you so I was doing it on the side as a volunteer um, was really involved in his campaign it was a total grassroots campaign um, outspent and all that right and he ended up winning so then. Uh, he was representing the community that I was doing work in now at that time, which mm. was Logan Heights area. And, uh, and I was an advocate at that time. Um, so I started to get more in the policy side of the work for EHC. So I just saw kind of like the, the value of electing someone that had the right intentions, the right values, and what that meant for the work that we were trying to achieve, to achieve environmental justice. So then that kind of, you know, I was curious. So I started getting more involved and um, 
but I never, ever, ever saw myself ever running. I always saw myself. I'm the. I'm from the. I'm, I'm the agitator. I'm the. You know, organizer. I want to do the policy. I want to do the research. Try to look for best practices that will resolve the issues in our community, and and other people can can carry it on, right? But then I kind of like the situation got flipped on me, and uh, folks started kind of, you know, planting that seed of you should consider it why not you right so i eventually really thought about it and really you know it's it's one of those things where you know at least for me i went through this whole process of like do i really want to do that uh, what does that mean right am i am i stepping away from the like the 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 person that i am uh, mm -hmm. or you know what i believe in so, but then I just started thinking like, man, we do so much work electing folks, thinking, hoping, praying that they're going to do the right thing. And then, you know, it's, you have to do more work to, to hold them accountable and, and hold them to, you know, just, so then I just said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm taking one for the team alone <laughs> and I'm going to put myself out there and, and, and I just thank God we got to do that more. I think, um, you know, as folks that are doing the work that are actually in the struggle, sometimes we don't see ourselves at the other end. And I know the dilemma. I know that. I went through it. But I can tell you that once we start electing more people like that, I think I think things can change significantly. So, so I went through that. I went through that struggle. I, I went back and forth and I eventually said, okay, we're going to do this. And, um, you know, it was not an easy campaign. It was a grilling campaign. I was going against the machine. Uh, but, you know, we I've utilized the, the power of organizing to the max. And uh, we ended up winning. And that really created a different space and, and also an opportunity to really start changing the, the discourse at City Hall. Um, and it was significant. It was pretty significant. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, uh, so, you. so let me go back a little bit. So when you're yeah. working uh, for this man, what's his name, by the way, the, the previous city council? Yeah, campaign? his name was um, David Alvarez. David Alvarez. So when you're yeah. working on his campaign, you weren't thinking about running then. You were just like, okay, you know what? Uh, yeah. In order to accomplish what I need to accomplish, it'll be really helpful to have this guy in there right. um, instead of just having to, you know, go run up against strangers and i think no matter what level of of the work you do you know if it's local state or federal is like wow isn't it isn't it good to every once in a while have relationships with some of these people beyond just oh god i you know like i know these people don't care about me i know you know it's it just the access is helpful it doesn't mean you have power but it is nice right to, to at least know some people so you do the work of electing him he gets elected so i assume you ran for a different seat or did you unseat him <laughs> <laughs> no I did. good clarification um yeah no so yeah no you're right i mean so so there's a couple of things that happen so i got very involved in this campaign and then soon after there was another election, 
because they're never never ending elections, right? Y'all do that right in Southern California. <laughs> yeah. So soon after there was an election in which I also got very involved, which was to uh, uh, take on the mayor. And uh, in that in that one, I got really involved and we actually elected at the time. And we won't say his name because it ended up pretty bad. Um, a really progressive person, but someone that was not um, good with women, you know, just we'll leave it at that. So eventually he had to resign soon after. I think it lasted about a year when he was in office. But let me just tell you that when he was, we were able to win that election. And for those that don't know the dynamics in San Diego and Southern California, we are a military town. Uh, so yes, we are a blue town, but we're a conservative town. Um, and, and those, that, that type of dynamic is still very much alive and uh, things have changed. Um, but that election, winning the mayoral election with this progressive uh, person that came down from, he was in Congress uh, and, you know, he, he was, a, a, you know, good, good, good values, I would say, and I'll say it in quotes because there were some ish, other issues that came up that led to resignation and it really hit us hard. But I can tell you that, you know, as soon as he won, I, like I was in his office with a bunch of other advocates, you know, we were writing the policies that were going to be presented to City Hall, right? So mm -hmm. to have been able to have that access, I mean, we're talking about, we were writing the policies, right? Never have had experienced that before ever in my life. We were like, what? You want us to write what? I was like, okay, right? It was like a an, an organizer, an advocate in the candy store, right? Yeah. Um, so that was powerful. So I went from, you know, helping my friend David get elected to then the mayor got elected. And at no point was I thinking that I am doing this because of I'm building my my chest, my 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 chest war, right? And none of that. It was just more of like, okay, these are the right people. We're gonna have the right access. We don't have to fight it back and forth or beg for crumbs. It's like this is real. This is real infrastructure change, right? Mm -hmm. So we were high, and then eventually things flipped. He had to resign, and it was a whole fiasco. And then eventually, then I jump into this other campaign, community work campaign. Um, I was the advocate for Barry Logan. I was working with the community to try to do some land land changes, land use changes to address the incompatible, unhealthy, incompatible zoning. So trying to use this avenue of, of land use to heal the community. And then that flipped on its own. Like we got it through City Hall, it got adopted. And then the, the industry pumped a bunch of money it got forced to the ballot. The whole city voted on this new plan that was going to determine the, the, the future of the community in Barrio Logan. Uh, we got defeated majorly because I would have spent one to 10. Um, so it was a brutal fight uh, that led to the ballot. And that was a brutal fight. So that really just scarred me. Uh, there was a lot of scars, right? And you always get a lot of scars when you're in this, in this work. Um, and so then that's when 
the opportunity to consider running CAME um, in a different district, adjacent district, um, a similar district that you know my friend uh, David ran in. Uh, this is a district that is, it was a newer district, actually it was created during the redistricting 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So it was made up to be the another Latino representation in the in the city. So it was gonna supposedly add two seats. That was the intention. It's working class district. It's actually the, the community that, that I now call home City Heights. Very, very diverse. It's the home to a refugee community or immigrant community. It's the college area. So it's just like very, very dynamic. <laughs> very representative of, of a very border community. So that's the district that I ran in. And like I said, we ended up winning. And what year was that? That was in 2016. 2016 is 2016, when you decided. Four years ago. Yeah. yeah so I we won. I, I came in with an agenda because I just thought, oh my God, we won. Uh, it's, you know, I got to get to work just because this can be taken away pretty quickly, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, like re-election, is it happening? Is it not? Like, you don't know, right? And I just thought things like that don't happen to people like us. So I was just <laughs> like, okay, I cannot, I can't just sit and idle in downtown, right? I can't do that. That's not why I'm here. Um, so we got to work pretty quickly. Um, I really wanted to transform the transit discussion here in the region because transit is very vital to our community, but it's also uh, an infrastructure that gets very, very little love, if mm. at all, right? Uh, but it's real, and the working class families that can't afford a vehicle, they depend on it. They spend, you know, six hours, five hours out of their day moving from A to B just because it's a, a, a resource that gets really little support. Oh, so yeah. I really wanted to elevate the importance of it for for the people that write it, but also the importance of you know being able to have access to better jobs, uh, education, healthcare, um, and also it's good for the environment as well. So there's a lot of things that to me, public transit you know signifies. I grew up riding it, so I knew what it meant as a child riding the the bus, and it just took forever. Um, and so I guess oh my God! In Southern California, like East Coast people have no idea when they no, complain. No, you have no idea. They, they, uh, yeah. I hear New Yorkers complaining about transit, and people yeah. here in DC, and it, it's crazy, right? Like Southern yeah. California, like if you don't have a car, you're, you're, yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So you know, I wanted to elevate the importance of transit. So I went after the transit agency. I got appointed to it as a council member and then right away turned it around and became the chair. I was the first woman to be elected to be the chair. And actually it was the first human being that actually care about transit that was the chair. So I set a very ambitious agenda. I got to work there. Housing affordability was also another big area that I really care for. Um, so I really, you know, was pushing on that. Um, and then soon after I became the president of the city of San Diego. So here in San Diego, we have strong mayor, strong council form of government. So we have a president of the council and I got elected by my colleagues to, to lead, uh, to be the council president. 
So I was the council president. I was the chair of the metropolitan transit system. So, you know, I was, I was, I was going hard. I was, I was working. And then, you know, my reelection was coming. So I was in the path of reelection, but then Is it every after, two years there or how does it four work? years, every four, four years, years okay. you get two terms. <clears throat> and I was going to go on that path of reelection. But then an opportunity came. Uh, an opportunity came. One of our congressional members was going to retire. So she wasn't going to seek reelection. And you all know that Congress seats come very, very often. Uh, folks stay there forever. So, you know, people were hitting me up, think about it. Um, and I did. And, and, you know, I took a, a, a different route. I decided to run for Congress. And so last election, I was in the path of all of that. And then COVID hit. So that, that hit, uh, you know, as someone that knows how to run the grassroots and the door to door, that just, you know, it just completely wiped us. So we didn't succeed. I was going against a, a millionaire. Uh, the machine, uh, you know, we always say that, but this was the machine. Mm -hmm. um, and so we didn't succeed, but you know, that itself, that journey was just uh, quite a, quite an interesting journey where I came out of it, not, not succeeding in the campaign, but I definitely learned a lot, um, made me a stronger person. Um, and, you know, it's just now I'm just doing some work for nonprofits, helping them think through strategy so they can achieve their their social justice agenda mm -hmm. and uh, perhaps eventually run again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what so, you know, um, backing up to when you were so David Martinez, is that right? David Alvarez. David Alvarez. So when David and you were sort of conspiring right to have him to have him run he said hey would you support me um what kind of it like specifically like if you can remember like what were you trying to change at the time like very specifically what yeah. it, was it a specific law was it about uh environmental justice was it about immigration was it like or or was it already yeah. transit yeah, no. So at the time, I was I was in the midst of uh, working with the community to change um, environmental justice to solve environmental justice in this environmental injustice community uh, through updating the, the the land use codes for the city for okay. for this community, Barrio Logan. So we were in the midst of it, and I knew that it was going to come in front of city council to adopt it. This is the plan that, I mean, I worked on this plan for maybe five, six years yeah. um, and then worked with the community, worked with the industry, the, the industrial uh, industrial businesses, worked with them to try to figure out, okay, how can, we, how can we solve some of these issues in a way that they're not going to be fighting us so much, right? Mm -hmm. And Just then, so, so was the issue there, help me understand. So the issue there, for because land use is something that you know if you're like a policy nerd maybe like me you get really excited about that but most people just start falling asleep right as soon yeah. as you're talking about like oh, rezoning yeah. something yeah but essentially like you have heavy industry like these big polluters 
that just come in and they say, okay, well, we'd like to dump our trash right here. And hey, by the way, like it just so happens that folks here are overwhelmingly poor and overwhelmingly immigrant. And so, you know, you should just allow us to do this. And, and there's often very little opposition to that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. And there is not because people don't care, but because just like you said, um, this, this conversation of land use is never something that the normal person that you're, if you're not into the weeds of, of, of this stuff, you're not, you're not going to know, right? But you definitely care as a resident who's going to be your neighbor. Oh, right. God, yes. Well, if you're talking about putting in a dump next to my house, all of a sudden, I'm deeply concerned, right, right? about yeah. so, about zoning issues. So, right, exactly. So, so what industry was it that, and what were they trying to do? Oh, so, you know, in Barrio Logan, what you even till now, because like I said, that plan that got adopted, uh, got referendi. Yeah. So what does that mean? They got what referenda means is that there was enough signatures to force the adoption of the of the plan to go to all the voters. So the entire city of San Diego voted on what should happen to this very tiny community, right? And uh, and obviously we were able to raise um, about a hundred grand in the campaign mm -hmm. in the industry the force the force, the, 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 this action to all the voters, they raised over a million dollars. They like had TV ads, billboards, everything. I mean, they were sending literature to another city. This is how much money they had, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we got, we got bombarded and we just got killed in the ballot. He just, you know, we couldn't, like, we try to do as much as we could growth grassroots and stuff like that, but we just couldn't, we couldn't capture, we couldn't get the message out enough mm -hmm. uh, to really influence the voters. So, so they wanted to zone this uh, a certain space as industrial so that they could do whatever they wanted there. Is they that wanted right? to keep, so basically what the, so what the fight was about um, was that it, it, what they claimed that it was about was that we were pushing residential closer to the industrial which was far not true. Uh -huh. We were actually pushing for a transition zone, kind of like a, a one block neutral zone that wasn't industrial and it wasn't housing. Mm. So, you know, we were very diligent on trying to figure out, okay, what are some of the uses? Like a buffer to protect Yeah, a buffer. Yeah, exactly. And we were able to accomplish that, um, but they then they spin it and they were like, started claiming that we were pushing residential closer to that to eventually lead to closing that industry. And what like, industry was it? This is military. This is military. This is like heavy. Like this is if you know San Diego culture, it's very much entrenched in military. Mm -hmm. um, you have the military, you have the shipyard repair, and you have the port of San Diego, got the goods movement. Uh, you have the industry that supports the military you have all of this right and some of it is on the waterfront some of it is inside the community um, because the the plan that right now dictates what gets built in the community allows for anything 
Mm -hmm. um, you want, you have a recycler, you can place it right next to the elementary school. Mm -hmm. Oh, you want to open up a biodiesel industry, you can do it right in front of senior apartments, right? So mm -hmm. you have this type of use where anything goes. There's no I feel real like the, the Texans in the room are, are, um, are identifying with you right now. Yeah. So we were trying to correct that, right? And yeah. That's where I spent a lot of my time. That's why, you know, I, I cared about who represented this community. And, uh, and, and, and there was uh, a, a very long history of those that represented this industry. It kind of ran in the family. It mm. was like this family institution that somehow they just kept pumping new council members. So once yeah. once was turned out that the brother would run and they would win and then the sister type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So very compliant, very compliance, um, not really representing the community the way that it should. So when my friend tapped me, he was not tied to that family. He was taking on it, uh, 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 kind of like the, he, he was trying to break through something, right? Uh, so that's what got me excited um, in terms of, okay, there could be some, there could be different representation that is not tied to this, to this, to the family. To the um, machine. Yeah, to the machine and maybe there's there's hope, right? Um, so that's why I said, okay, we're, we're gonna do this. And, uh, and it was also like a grassroots campaign and we succeeded and under his watch is when the plan got adopted, but also then referendi and that's when we got killed. So now full, full circle, um, now Environmental Health Coalition with the community now it's in the process of bringing the plan back, hopefully for adoption, uh, to try to resolve these these unhealthy land uses that are, you know, exposing people to unhealthy air, unhealthy environment. I mean, we're talking about industries that use heavy chemicals, metals. Uh, at times, they bring a lot of diesel uh, vehicles into. Oh yeah. You know, so you have that clashing too. DFAS too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of that. So there's still the hunger to try to resolve this. Good. And so there's a really interesting, so I feel like there's a really interesting crossroads that a lot of organizers come to. Um, and I, I can't, like, I don't, I don't pick a camp, right? Like, I, I understand people saying, oh, God, you know, these politicians, like, you know, doing electoral work. Oh, no, I can't stand it. And all we do is we get them elected and then they sell us out, right? And oh, and the, the, there's no difference between any of them and the Democrats and the Republicans. It's all the same and blah, 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 blah. And so then people decide, they say, okay, I'm only going to work at the grassroots level. Other organizers say, okay, well, actually, there's a you know, there's uh, infrastructure here for me to be able to affect change. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to uh, get as much influence in that infrastructure, be it like a, a political party, be it local government, whatever the case may be. And they say, okay, you know, I'm going to try to do my best and kind of get my hands dirty. And, you know, we'll see if it works great. If not, 
at least I tried, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you like what? So when you were talking about like, oh God, like I'm gonna change my identity now. All of a sudden, I'm gonna go from the outside agitator. Like, there's a certain purity in that, and a lot of us can kind of like we have that you know narcissistic little bent to say like no 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 like i am a hundred percent like with the community all of a sudden you say god like now i'm working in local government i'm raising money all the time because like you said like money is power in politics like if you if you're the side that says no i don't think that they should put an asphalt plant next to the kindergarten and the other side is raising a million dollars and adds to talk about why that's a great thing and you only got a hundred grand a lot of times you're going to lose right so then mm -hmm. we have to we're put in a position where we have to just raise money and it's not fun all the time yeah uh but talk about that like um and and why like how did you how did you decide to really get your hands dirty yeah so you know like i like i said i think uh i used to do campaign work and you know, really try to get folks that don't believe in engaging in, in electoral work to to really value the importance of it and, and did all of that and and um, get guy got involved in trying to get some good people elected and I saw the power of that. Like I said, when we were able to get the, the mayor elected, I, I mean, I was in his conference room with a bunch of other um, really cool advocates in the room and he's telling us write my policies right we're not in staff we, we weren't his staff yeah. um, so that was that was just like well okay you know that to me that was kind of like it, it can't change um, so really just kind of like one thing to the this other thing really really, really kind of got me to think differently. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm still, even though I just came from being an elected, I'm a critic of it too. Like you can't just embrace it and say everything is honky-dory and let's just continue coasting, right? You gotta be able to do self-reflection and self-criticism of the entities, just like, you know, we work, we work for a nonprofit that I truly love, but not perfect either. You know, so it's just kind of like we got to be real and, and, and be okay with that. Um, but how do you learn and how do you, you know, try to figure out how to how to take it to a better place? And, and that never is the, and you don't even know if it's what you think is a better place is the right place, right? Mm -hmm. And I just got to think, okay, perhaps or perhaps not, and just continue, you know, uh, moving forward, uh, but trying to crack through it where you're bringing others with you as well in providing those resources. I mean, like I said, when I decided to do it, I did it because I truly did want to be able to have a stronger, a stronger, a stronger ability to, to change the narrative. Um, and, and we did that. And, you know, I did that. Like, you know, going after the transit agency assignment uh, created, like within a year, it created a different discussion about transit in our region. You know, I was able to 
to bring my board to be a board that actually cared about the agency. Uh, we were talking about actually going to the ballot to do a specific tax for transit. This agency has never had that. Uh, it only it would always work with pennies, right? So if you have an actual dedicated stream of revenue, you can talk about expanding the, the system. You can talk about lowering fares or having free programs, right? You can talk about different things. Um, and we were talking about that. Um, we were, you know, in housing, another piece of area that I made a focus of when I was in City Hall, like I made it illegal to discriminate against voucher holders because, you know, it was, it was legal to say, hey, if you have a Section A voucher, don't even bother applying, right? That was mm -hmm. legal. Um, I made it illegal. And then that influenced the state to have a state um, bill to also make it illegal in the state of California, right? Congratulations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, you know, I pushed a little bit on holding market rate developers to do more on the affordable housing side of things. Um, you know, little things, you know, little things that really matter, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, you know. Well, not so little if you're trying to get a house or rent an apartment. Right. It wasn't revolutionary, but it's significant, right? Yeah. So, and at times, you know, like I said earlier, this is the, the machine, uh, a machine of the bigger machine, right? Uh, sometimes you're having to do tough decisions that disappoint people, and then hence you're a sellout or you do all this stuff, but it's not like that. You know, I've always been pretty, pretty, pretty clear. And, and this is the thing though, as well. Like I've always been pretty, pretty clear as to why I was at City Hall. Like they never lost track of it. Never lost track of that and never will. Like if I ever become an elected, I never will lose kind of the, the reason as to the why I'm there. Mm. Um, and, you know, people I don't think ever really caught on to this. Like, I could have just easily, if I wanted to be comfortable, like if I just really wanted to coast, hey, I wouldn't be doing the, the work that I was doing, um, just go along for the sake of going along. Um, I wouldn't have, you know, shut down my reelection campaign because that was going to be easy um, and ran for Congress, taking on a huge dynasty, you know, here in, in, in San Diego. Um, and knowing that it was going to be extremely difficult, but I also knew the value of electing someone that is rooted in, in community, that is rooted in the issues because I lived them, um, was going to be significant for the border communities. Um, so I knew it was worth it. And I knew that it was worth fighting that. Um, but if I did it because I just wanted to be a politician, I just wanted to sit in my office or you know, rub elbows during dinner, dinner, dinner galas. It was just kind of like I would have just done my reelection and kept there. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not about that. So I say that because there are people that want to do things for the reasons that we're in this um, and trying to create that better society that is more inclusive and, and really addressing some of the social issues that we face from environment, from labor, from wages, from, you know, you name it. It's, you know, uh, gender equality, you know, transgender, LGBTQ plus issues, immigration issues, like whatever they might be. It's like, 
Hey, we just gotta like to me. I'm a firm believer that I I I, I do have the the belief of hope. I do have the belief of creating that utopia, uh, even though it might not exist. Uh, me too. Even, me even you that me even both. that itself. I don't know what that is because you know I'm sure like here we can have a discussion about that and it would be all different for all of us, right? So just yeah. kind of like understanding that there isn't a perfect road that takes us there, but it's like the willingness to, to really challenge ourselves to be our best self is important. And I just think and believe that when we do send the right people to, to be governing, um, things start changing. Things start changing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think we're seeing it, uh, you know, we're seeing some of it uh, nationwide, but like, honestly, Georgette, like you, you really moved me uh, just now. And, it, you know, one of the things like I've had the opportunity in 20 plus years of organizing to come in contact with a lot of elected officials and a lot of people who were appointed and just work in government generally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find that the ones who bring to the work a spirit of service um, are the ones who I end up admiring the most and I think are the ones who end up being the most effective. Um, and it is, you know, I think like as an immigrant, it's important for me to see other people of color running and winning and getting into fights and losing and getting back up again and, and uh, you know, just in that struggle and that process. So I, I want to say a, a huge thank you to you um, for everything that you've done, but also for everything that you're still going to do. Thank you, Gustavo. Um, and I, I won't, uh, I appreciate that. And I just think we're all in it together, no matter where you are. I'm a believer of all tools are necessary to be active. And, oh, and, yeah. all, and all tools mean also government, you know? Oh um, yeah. And, and it's, and, you know, and it's that, like, I find that spirit of service of like, okay, like I'm here, what can I do that's gonna make somebody's life better? Right. right? Like I, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm uh, one of the campaigns that we're running at CHEJ is also about a new tax. It's called the polluter pays tax, right? So, mm -hmm. it, you know, we're talking about taxing polluters and getting $5 billion over 10 years to go help toxic site cleanups, mm -hmm. which is amazing, right? Which yeah. needs to happen. There's yep. a million people who are opposed to it, but like, you know, that is, like you said, it's not revolutionary. Mm -hmm. However, $5 billion yeah. over 10 years, like that's more money than we've seen in such a long time. And just getting that piece of it as part of this infrastructure plan would be huge, right? Yeah, and, and I love just kind of getting, you know, getting into the talk with people. Are we changing the essence of government? No. But at the same time, I feel like things have changed quite a bit in the last year. Right. You oh, know? yeah does feel like a different world. It does, it does. And it's not it just because I'm Latino either. No, it does, and it, it definitely does. And, you know, I know that, um, and I constantly have these conversations with my wife about about the party, you know, and about yeah, the party yeah. and how we need to do some more work there. 
And yeah. there's truth to that. There's no question about it. Like I said earlier, you know, I think we need to be self critics of our own selves, our, of our own righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, because even though we think we're, we're in the right path, we think we're doing the right thing. Other people might not think the same, right? And, you know, we, we do a reflection, uh, as you're saying, Gustavo, like right now, if we look at the current administration, which is the administration that went out, I mean, we were just plugging holes, you know, just holding for dear life, mm -hmm. uh, right? It's, it, was, it was horrible. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's a better discourse. I mean, there's a lot more to say and criticize, but also it's better. Um, is it the end and and all no it isn't and it shouldn't because there's still a lot of issues that are not being carried by this administration right you know someone that lives by the border and sees the the the, the folks that are waiting to come in and you know oh yeah the, the horror conditions the unsafe conditions is just heartbreaking um so i'm not going i'm not gonna say yay right but i'm also gonna say it's, it's definitely better trust me i mean i wasn't elected when we had Trump in office and it was brutal. It was, uh, it was brutal, um, but we gotta continue and just, we gotta continue. We gotta continue electing the right folks. We gotta continue um, waking the masses and, and really getting them. I mean, to me, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of the power of the people. And it's just, you know, you see it in other countries how like if they're unhappy, they take to the streets and they make you, they show it, right? I, I don't think we're quite there as a society here in the US. Um, and we just need to continue plugging away and continuing to organize and continuing to build on that. And I just think eventually, and eventually we'll get to those points oh, where yeah. I think we, that truly is gonna change. That's when the things are gonna change. And, and truly change. And, and I just think we just need to continue moving forward and, and putting ourselves out there. Like I said, I put myself out there in a place that I was not comfortable in, um, but I had to. I think that I had to. And I just think I, I really wanna hopefully inspire others that have the right, the right values, the right heart, uh, rooted in the right roots uh, with the right roots to to really put yourselves out there and consider running and being oh yeah active. and I, I I appreciate it so much hermana it, it was so good to meet you you know um, the thing the thing too the thing is that if you don't think I mean Trump is not as bad as it could possibly be you know I was born in Rio de Janeiro and there was yeah you didn't have a president when I was born we had a general and then what happened is that general decided to retire and appointed the next general to be the next president, right? Yeah. So that's in that's me. Like when I was born, that's what happened. Yeah. And uh, if if you don't think that that can happen here, you're crazy. Yeah. You're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, so I I just so appreciate the work that you do. Uh, it means so much to see uh, a Latina woman who is leading in the community the way you are, setting that example and, and carrying on that spirit of service and making things better for people. So we really appreciate you talking with us today. Thank you. It's good Absolutely. And if you are uh, listening to this and you're thinking about running for office, like where, where would you point people, uh, Georgette? 
you know, I'm more than happy to make myself available and talk to people. You know, I know it's a scary thought and, you know, more than happy to share my experience. It's not as scary as it sounds, but it's definitely, um, you put yourself out there. Well, so there's, there's, there's a lot to consider. Awesome. Um, and how you can do you look me you? up? I'm on Facebook. Yeah. I'm on Twitter. Um, okay. you know, I'll, I'll put my email in the chat is, uh, but you can Google me, you'll find me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a secret. You're like, Google I'm... me, Gustavo, Google me. <laughs> uh, I'm on all social media types of forms. You can always message me. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm definitely want to help folks think through it and, you know, be of support. Um, it's important. Well, thank you so much, Georgette, once again, and um, all my best to you in San Diego. Next campaign, call me up, and maybe I'll, I, hopefully, we'll be able to fly over there and knock some I know, doors. I know, I know. You know, Definitely. no more, no more of this texting business. <laughs> I know. Thank you for listening to Fighting to Win. To learn more about the Center for Health, Environment, and Justice in the communities we're working with, visit www.chej.org. Subscribe to Fighting to Win wherever you listen to podcasts and stay tuned for new episodes.